Welcome to How it. Hi. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. That's Catherine Avino. You have stumbled into an episode of Thinking Like a Lawyer. Uh, we are joined, as always, by Chris Williams. You know, we're all from Above the Law, and we're all here to talk about some of the big stories of the week to catch you up on the fun and interesting legal happenings that have been out there. We've already heard from Catherine. Hello, Chris. Hello. So without getting, you know, too bogged down and unimportant stuff. Well, because I mean, it's time for small talk. That's really annoying. I know. <laughs> it's good to have you back, Catherine. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. We, Thank I, you. We didn't need fair to amount eat. of shit is given to Joe when I'm here, which obviously is my number one job here. As it ought be. We didn't even use the sound effect last week, I don't think, because you know you weren't here. So why? <laughs> Are you serious? I don't think yeah. so. Didn't you listen to it? Oh my god. Okay. No. <laughs> fair enough. I was here. I don't need to listen to the podcast. I was here. You weren't here. That's the point. Well, yeah, but like my point is I don't listen to thinking like a lawyer on the oh, you should. You should. <laughs> How was your holiday, Joe? It's great. It's great. How Anything about you? Anything else but digging on me, I appreciate. How about you, Chris? How was your holiday? It was great until I realized that I work with a heathen. So... I, I found right. out, and, and this is this is news to hopefully everybody listening to this. Yeah. Hot takes about AirPods aside, Joe Patrice apparently was not raised in a tradition of food Christmas that involves macaroni and cheese. Yeah. We never had mac and cheese growing up on no, Thanksgiving. No, because you don't put macaroni and cheese with turkey. It's a wonderful side dish. I love it. Uh, but it goes with things like brisket or pork or well, something I like that. Well, I also grew up in a very Italian family and household and neighborhood, and so it was much more likely to see things like a lasagna. Oh, or, see, that's I weird, mean, too. I, I get that it's not mm. a Thanksgiving food. I'm just saying it was very common to have your mm. Thanksgiving lasagna on the table or meatballs or something like that. Okay, uh, well, that's crazy. I, I agree. I don't currently make it. Yeah, fair enough. Now, just to be clear before uh, Joe makes the faux pas of alienating all six of our black listeners— <laughs> the reason this is notable is because everybody knows, everybody who's relevant knows, mac and cheese is not just a great side. It is the reason for the season. <laughs> Over the bird, like, and, and here's another thing that, like, I think a, a great a great uh, writer, Seth MacFarlane, says really grinds my gears. In mm -hmm. addition to being just categorically wrong about mac and cheese, and by that, of course, I mean baked. If it has, you know, shells right. or cheese, it looks like it's melted crayons don't add me on linkedin ever but turkey is not even that good of a bird and one of the other oh. hot takes joe had was that yeah ham has no place in thanksgiving because never turkey should be the only on protein i've never correct. had ham on thanksgiving uh, correct it, it it yes it it does not belong there you know i to quote <sighs> an, another um you know, to rehabilitate myself with black listeners, to quote another uh, prominent black podcaster. If you Michael only Felder, you're black, not white. Or something. No, no. <laughs> My, Michael Felder was talking about this on a podcast recently. And while he also did give some credence to the mac and cheese thing, he went on a real tirade about people who don't have turkeys. And the idea that you are trying to put anything else as the star other than the turkey is just absurd to him. And I think that's true. Like ham has a place. It is often at Christmas, definitely an Easter thing. It is not, however, a Thanksgiving thing because that's a turkey. And yes, turkeys are difficult birds to make, obviously, if you're well, to make good. That said, it takes a 
modicum of effort to learn how to make a turkey that tastes good. Like it doesn't it's it's not that hard. It just you have to devote a little bit of time to learning the process of brining and seasoning and cooking I, methods. I mean, a, well, a, a perfectly done turkey is beautiful. Yeah. And is absolutely the star. However, it is very difficult and poorly done turkey is terrible. Poorly done turkey is terrible. Poorly done turkey is the reason why I truly believe the reason that God has not returned is because she lives in fear of her own creation. <laughs> and we also have to acknowledge that most turkeys on Thanksgiving are not the good ones that you're probably thinking of as like, oh, this is the reason why it's sacrosanct. And third, good turkeys are never good turkeys. They're usually good for turkey. And like yeah. you said, it requires like a strange tradition of brining and it looks like somebody's about to get vaccinated. They're like injections. Well, injections are like important. Ropes. Injections yeah, you know are important. You, you know what you don't need that for? Ham. Because it's, it's just already good. Been, well, because it's already been done. It's already been cured, right? Which is why it's delicious. You don't need it for roast beef. Oh, yes, you do. If you're making... Well, you don't need it for every roast beef. But if I'm making like a a brisket or something like that, I'm going to be inject, putting an injection in there. Like I, I would put an injection in most big meats that I would use. Look, yeah. The fat content in turkey is far too low. Once you get past the wings and like maybe the breast, the rest is like, damn, am I really doing this for tradition? Oh, see, the breasts are the best part if you do. You know what I'm right. saying? Turkey the turkey breast and the wings, like those are those are okay. those are the like those are the saving grace, especially like a good smothered wing. Like that's why mm -hmm. like I'm pretty sure like when Prince was writing When Doves Cry, he was thinking of turkey wings. I wasn't sure if he was eating meat at the time, maybe not, but there's something magical about those. But the whole bird? No. Oh, Growing yeah. up, the turkey neck was always the fought over body part yeah. in my family. Turkey neck is a seasoning and probably for greens. People in my family would just split it up and just eat it whole. Well, not whole because it's got a lot of bones, but, yeah. you know, they would yeah. definitely eat it. Because you know why? It was done first before the rest of the bird. So then they would take mm -hmm. it out and be able, it was like a snack for the cook. I think that's why it really kind of developed this uh prestige yes yeah, because cooking turkey takes three business days and when you're <laughs> yeah. cooking something from that long I mean, you say ridiculous things like "Ooh, i want to eat the neck <laughs> well it's not it a should lot take of work. longer it, than three business days it, well it should take longer in preparation but you don't like have to, to there's not a lot of effort involved in those four days False. like so i like okay I, there are a lot of people with burned down homes that would contest that because one of the main causes of like house fires is frying, frying turkeys them. around yes. christmas and thanksgiving and the reason well, you're doing that is because this bird is so bland somebody's <laughs> like i'm going to risk my familial home to make this foul bird worthy of my family's time well i would go the opposite i would say that when you talk about the amount of time the reason people go with frying is it's faster than these other methods which is a mistake that said i mean frying birds is perfectly fine too but people don't know how to do that bringing me back no to, not birds it, i know many of people who don't have to get increased home insurance payments because they fried a chicken or a cornish hen this is specifically right. a turkey problem well, I, it's because it's so I big think, I, well, and it's frozen. Bi it's big. Well, the frozen is the biggest part because the key to frying is you have to make sure all the moisture is out of it or else it's going to cause a fire. So you need to not have a frozen bird. You've got to get a fresh if you're going to try and fry because that's the only way you can ensure you're going to get all of the moisture out of it. But these people buy them and immediately throw them in frying oil, which, no, you've got to, you've got to have that in the fridge drying out, which is the the whole part about how it takes a few days, but 
you don't do a lot of effort in those few days. You just need to have it sitting there being dehydrated a little bit so that it'll be good when you put it into the fryer after you inject it with the, uh, you know, the marinades and stuff that you need. Dry brine it, of course, and then you're good. Dry brine? Yes. This advertisement was brought to you by Big Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it feels to me that, like, it is an American holiday, and the quintessentially most American thing would be to do one of two things. Screw up something by not taking the time to learn how to do it right, or giving up and getting you know, a ham, uh, which is already done. It's like, just put the time and effort into learning how to make a bird. It's not that hard. Look, every time I've had good turkey, I've never mm-hmm. been like, oh, this is some good turkey. I've been like, this is good for turkey. You can't, you feel the distinction? Like, there's a difference there. I, I do. I, understand. Like, I just think Like, that. really, yeah. really good turkey tastes like a nice Cornish hen or some chicken. That's what I'm saying. Oh, no, no, no. It's distinctly turkey. Frankly, my favorite barbecue is smoked turkey. Yeah. Like, I feel like a good, like, smoked turkey is... Rudy's smoked turkey for those of our Texas Texas listeners or Oklahoma. But, yeah, that is my go-to. Is that the argument you really want to go for in defending the Thanksgiving orthodoxy? Smoked turkey? Is that what the pilgrims were eating on? I mean, well, they probably probably weren't having turkey. Uh, They probably weren't (laughs) having turkey. They probably having, like, trout. They probably they, listen. Turkey is so bad as a bird. Even the pilgrims didn't have it for Thanksgiving. Come on now. But you know what? They definitely weren't having macaroni and cheese. And this oh. brings us to the conclusion of <laughs> small talk. <laughs> so anyway, I control the sound effects. So there we go. So we should get <sighs> into conversation. And uh, so you know what else besides Thanksgiving? It's that time of year. It is. Bonus season has arrived. Big law bonus season is here. That means the major law firms are starting to hand out their annual bonuses. You you may be confused about this because you may be thinking, hey, that's happened all year. Like three times. And that's true because this year bonuses have been cropping up all over the place. But the big bonuses, the annual, expected to be part of your paycheck style bonuses, come out usually right around Thanksgiving and they have. Yeah. And I am the first to admit I was wrong about my prediction. I thought that firms would use. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think we need to take away your rights (laughs) for the sound effects. I think now that that you've burned Chris with them too, I got an extra vote on my side that you were no longer allowed to have access to the soundboard. Hey. Anyway. I, was I think saying, y'all should just fight. <laughs> once, fight once, once, once we have video fight, capability. Fight. Oh, that implies we haven't. Uh, okay. So, but but I I said my prediction was that we'd be the same scale as last year, and the particularly valuable groups, uh, whether they be by seniority or you know M and A associates, would get sort of discretionary extra money. And that is true to a certain extent. We've seen a lot of firms offering high biller bonuses on top of their sort of year end numbers or some other discretionary component, which inevitably be used to keep the very valuable associates exactly where they are. But it's larger numbers. It's approximately 15% more a year over last year's numbers, which is pretty remarkable. And the reason, too, why I think it's noteworthy is because these numbers will form the basis not only of this year's year-end numbers, but going forward. If there's a number that is less than these numbers, that will be seen as a sign of weakness in the industry. So I think it's a pretty big deal. 
Yeah, no, I agreed with you. I didn't think they would go higher. I thought what they would do is have more of these non-annual bonuses to mm -hmm. up the pot for the reason that you mentioned. Because now, once you set a standard, I mean, we had this several years ago when they went back from where they had been sitting for a while, and it was a mutiny. Yeah, it was also a nine, so they were also laying people off. So there wasn't a lot of options right. for said mutiny, but it was a bad look for the industry, certainly. Yeah, so the benchmarking point is one of those things that people don't mention, haven't mentioned much of, but is true. You set a standard and then you kind of have to live by it for the next few years. Mm -hmm. But it's also true that, you know, majority of the players don't have a lot of say on where the market settles, right? Once Gravath publishes its numbers, there's a couple of the folks who may go over the top of that number. But once all those kind of movers have settled on a number, if you go under that, then you are below market. And that's noteworthy in and of itself, right. even if a lot of people get more money, but in the non-year-end numbers that's still seen as distinction that is yeah. that reflects poorly on the firm, at least on the financial health of the firm. Maybe it's a great law firm, just, you know, doesn't have as much money. Yeah. That's a good reason to go to law school, though, is all this money that's coming in. That, that was what I was about to say. Yeah. It's a really good reason. You went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant, Though which actually isn't true. You could you use it to count all that money. Yeah, you would. So actually, you probably did go to become an accountant, but only an accountant for your own money. Right. Uh, how about that? So you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of NOTA, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnota.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. The next topic we wanted to cover, uh, just because it was big in the news, you know, we talked about the Rittenhouse verdict last week. We got the Arbery verdict, which uh, fairly or unfairly, these two were very intertwined verdicts. Uh, but that came in popular. Yeah. You know, but that one came in. And it's great. I'm a big fan of lynchers not seeing the uh, outside. Um, yeah. But the thing is, it's, it's also weird because I'm like, I'm also like not a big fan of slavery, and uh, oddly enough, so this might have been a um, this could have been a small talk conversation if not for Joe's bad taste, culinarily speaking. Um, I went to a, an event in Philly. It was called um, Liberty Over Rocks, mm -hmm. and I was like bored. I'm not a libertarian, uh, but I had some drinks with a bunch of libertarians, and I was like, oh, I hope I don't uh -oh. get uh, sold. But yeah. this contract is. Contract Uberalis. But one of the things I was just saying, <laughs> one of the things I was saying was that um, just like, like a point in conversation, because if I was like, I was there when I actually see what she was thinking, I was like, oh, everybody knows that like America is like a, a slave state, right? Like we're one of the biggest slave states in the history of humanity. Like we have a whole amendment to the Constitution dedicated to it. Like the Contrapositive of the 13th is just like if you commit a felony, bye bye freedom. Right. And then I got a whole bunch of responses like, what about China? They have slaves. And I was like, okay, one, that's what aboutism. But two, like we still outnumber them <laughs> vastly. <laughs> but yeah, um, we still have slavery and we still have lynching. But the thing that makes the Ahmad Arbery ruling surprising is that apparently you can't just lynch in broad daylight anymore. I feel like this is a new historical revelation. And it might be an anomaly. I mean, because like even these three lynchers initially weren't going to be charged. And even after there was a video of it, people were still wondering what would happen. Yeah. But, you know, maybe I, I, I just I just uh, 
filed it as a, a Thanksgiving miracle that in about as white as a jury you can get, I think 15 of the 16 jurors, like four, yeah. there was 12 jurors and four alternates were white. A ruling happened that seemed to be in accordance with the rule of law. And yeah. that was surprising. And I think that itself says a lot about contemporary race relations. And as far as like people that talk about colorblindness and law being a neutral thing, the fact that this is newsworthy is something that should be shocking. And that might be veering away from like the discussion of like what this means in terms of, of abolitionism, but I think they're intertwined. Well, it it's interesting. You made you mentioned what I what I thought was the big story was that these folks weren't going to be charged initially. It was one of these situations where it was absolutely going to be ignored. And then the video came out and it's not that the video came out, like they released the video basically. Mm -hmm. So, cause they thought this was going to be a good thing for them as opposed to absolutely time. the reason yeah. why they were convicted and under those circumstances. But, you know, I, I think about it as it plays into the complicated topic we talked about last week, which was, the way in which law enforcement and prosecutors have so much latitude under the system to choose what they do and do not go after. And that there are reasons why that's good, because we over-criminalize things in this country and having prosecutors and law enforcement having discretion to not go after every single thing to the hilt is good. Uh, probably would be better if we didn't over-criminalize, but whatever. But given that we like that, we also have this counter where we have sheriffs going around and not enforcing public health mandates. And we have, in this case, a situation where prosecutors and law enforcement were willing to allow a lynching in broad daylight to be ignored, but for the public pressure that came on them. And even you know, further than that, didn't one yeah. of the AGs also like help cover it up? I mean, they were all like they were they were all involved in just like pushing it aside and downplaying it uh, mm -hmm. until pressure got placed on them. And, you know, that's that balance. Taking away discretion from those folks entirely would not necessarily be good either. But how do you strike that balance? Yeah, plays into our combo from last week. This is a plug for people to listen to last week's episode like Catherine apparently didn't. I mean, I'm not going to. I think you caught me up. <laughs> See, but you weren't here. Uh, is that, that's a thing. When, I wasn't. I was on vacation. When I'm on a show, I don't necessarily listen to everyone. But if I'm not there, then I definitely do to keep up. It was a holiday week, man. I had a lot going on. I had a lot going on. You could have missed a key twist or something. Okay, so speaking of discretion, Catherine gets to not watch last week's, but you loyal listeners who missed out for whatever reason, y'all have to. Like that's Right, there you go. The rule of podcast, it has to be maintained. <laughs> it has been decided. All right. So let's hear from our friends at Lexicon. Here's a message just for the attorneys out there. So you passed the bar, joined a firm, or even built your own. Now are you finding out that you're doing more administration than actual law practice? Lexicon can help. Lexicon is a legal services and technology provider with over a decade of experience streamlining administrative tasks like timekeeping, HR, billing, client intake, and more. So you can focus on maximizing billable hours and increasing client satisfaction. Call 855-4-LEXICON or visit lexiconservices.com go to learn more. All right. So final topic of the week. This is one that we haven't really written about, at least not yet, and may not, but is worth some degree of conversation. There's now some lawsuits cropping up. Uh, there's one at Columbia in particular that crossed our radar about 
Zoom U or Zoom School of Law for those of us who are on the legal side, basically arguing about we had a situation for at least a year, if not a year and a half in some of these schools cases where education was taken off campus from the comfort of your home doing Zoom conversations and lectures, but the schools continued to charge the same tuition. And there's now lawsuits questioning whether or not that was fair, appropriate, yada, yada, yada. I mean, it seems to me that most of these schools' costs were fixed, right? You know, they they weren't going to pay professors less because they, you know, were doing it online. Um, I guess there are some folks that were uh, facilities that got, in some places, got furloughed, although other schools, they continue to pay even their sort of facilities teams. So I'm not sure where this savings is supposed to come from. Yeah. I mean, that's my thing. Well, Columbia felt over this lawsuit that it was dangerous enough that they gave them $12.5 million. So they felt like they were had some degree of exposure or, or at just least a, public a relations moral risk. right, yeah. Yeah, public relations, whatever. But I mean, you raise a good point. The overhead is still there, uh, even if you're doing everything. If anything, it may even be higher because on top of maintaining a bunch of buildings, you now need to maintain and build out a secure online infrastructure. Right, if you haven't done it already. If you hadn't done it. And I don't think anyone had really thought through doing it at this scale already. Sure. So there's that aspect of whether and your and on the other side, your degree is still worth the same. Right. Uh, no one's going to look at a Columbia degree and like, say, oh, but it was 2021. Yeah. That means no, no one cares. Right. So on that side, I think I side with the schools in continuing charge that way. On the flip side, though, doing things over Zoom is probably a lower quality experience for people. I'll go on the flip side. So I went to Washington University in St. Louis. And yes, it was great to not be in St. Louis. I will claim not being in St. Louis till the death of me. (laughs) But for whatever reason, WashU School of Law from my living room cost $3,000 more. Oh, went up? It went up. And I could not afford that. I had some scholarship money, but I didn't have a full ride. So that came out of my pocket at a time where I'm, I'm not a position where I can rely on my parents. So like that was on me to pay. So I ended up having to work full time at an Amazon warehouse while I was doing my 3L. So I was a essential worker paying an extra $3,000 for the semester for functionally spicy YouTube lectures. And, <laughs> you know, I go, I, I paid that ticket price for the things that come with being there in person to be in, I don't know, criminal procedure and see my teacher's belt and shoes not matching. Or, I don't know, seeing the Fed socket squirm when somebody says something ridiculous like, maybe women should have rights. Like, that's part of the experience. And you don't get that when, in the first three minutes, you see a blank screen that has your name in the bottom left tile of it. I wasn't bargaining for. Like, they just jumped the tuition up on us. Like, for what is the worst experience? Like, they were, and no slight to my professors, partly being because it was a, a new train for them and they weren't trained to do that. But there are better Khan Academy lectures than listening to some of my professors talk about, I don't know, the intricacies of Section 1983. Even if they've been doing that for years, they're not used to Zoom. Like, mm. I paid extra for somebody who's been teaching there for 40 years is fumbling over how to mute the, you know, third student that day. Like, 
you yeah. know, you usually get paid or discounted for participating in trial processes. You usually don't have to pay a premium on them. Well, I mean, I, I don't doubt that the experience was was markedly worse, but all of 2020 was markedly worse than than an average year. And uh, I mean, I I it, I don't know the specifics of of Washu's tuition um, schedule, but I imagine it was planned to go up regardless of whether or not there was Zoom or in person. There was probably just you know an anticipated tuition hike. But to Catherine's point, I think so. As I I did put out, and I agreed with you on the point of the like overhead is still the same, yada yada. Mm-hmm. But your point of 2020 sucked for everybody, which is true. But the question of who pays the price for it sucking, why is it always the student? That's fair. Uh, yeah. Like somebody had That's to fair. suck up the money for everything's being screwed. And why was it the student and not, to use the Columbia example, the institution with a giant endowment? Sure. Right. Like, why she has about an $8 billion endowment? I'm $213,000 in debt. Why am I covering that cost? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it, they can it, buy some, they could have bought some GME stock. Like, <laughs> that's not on me. <laughs> yeah. It, it, that, that's the problem for me is I, I took the stance early on uh, of maybe we don't need to start massively discounting folks because I said the school degree is still worth the same and whatever. But I've kind of softened on that for the reasons that we just talked about. And I definitely would have softened on any planned increases sure. because. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know this is ridiculous. Take that three K L for a couple of years if you're the school, right? Yeah, like, like right. Yet it's just so little out of them. And to... you probably wind up having a much worse impact. That probably stings a lot worse to students who lived through it, and their desire long term to make donations to their alma mater is probably mm. going to be permanently impacted by in the middle of a pandemic, like sticking a, a stick in their eye, right, by increasing tuition. That's yeah. that's a fair point that I'm not sure people were really thinking through. Yeah, like WashU, and I could be wrong. Maybe it wasn't three thousand. Maybe it was only a mere two thousand dollars they increased tuition by. But at some point in the middle of an air being spicy, they decided to give us a rebate to account for classes being online of like two hundred fifty bucks. It was very specific. You had to say what you wanted to buy, and it had to be class-related. And I was like, can I just get the money? And they're like, no, it has to be something for school. So I ended up getting a, I think I got a, a like a, a better camera or what have you. But they call it a $250 rebate. I see it as either be a $2750 or a $1750 tuition hike. Like, it was... Right. Sure. Yeah. It, well, it, and the annoying costs of going to school these days, 250 I mean, that's, that's a class's textbook, some of these classes, you know, like... Well, three-fourths, maybe. Depends on the class. Yeah, uh, fair enough. They, 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 they might be a little different from when you went back in. We also have this thing called high-speed internet. That, uh, yeah. No, I mean, I definitely didn't have that. But, yeah, I mean, like in my era, if there had been a pandemic, I don't know what, what they would have done. We just wouldn't have been able to do school. Like, yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, good luck with all that. I mean, the internet existed. And, you know, we had Ethernet connections and everything in the dorms. But, I mean, you had to physically be plugged in. And the whole problem was being in a dorm, uh, which, you know, if you weren't that, then you wouldn't have been able to do it anyway. I will say, shouts out to my negotiation professor. He assigned this book, like 3D negotiation and something else. All together came to be like 40 bucks that semester. So power to him. That was, that was a, that was a godsend. I used the rest of the money to buy, you know, food and whatnot, you know. 
I feel like negotiation professors probably had had a real time with this whole Zoom thing. Because I think that be, given that we now think that the online world, or at least a hybrid working model, is going to become more de rigueur going forward, I got to imagine, if I were teaching negotiation, I'd have loved the pandemic, at least as far as my job goes. Because teaching the dynamics of doing online negotiation, which is not anything anybody done before, but is probably something that's going to be huge going forward, would have been really interesting. I don't know. I would have seen it as an opportunity in a way that Crim Pro probably wouldn't, you know? Negotiators tend to do that. So there was also a lot of discussion, like incorporating the fact that we were doing it on Zoom into, like I said, oh, usually you read body language. How do you do that when you're talking to a talking head? You know, just yeah, being aware of the conditions of negotiation and communication, which I thought was useful. It was was one of the more useful classes I had as a law student. I feel like that's, like, we often talk about how 3L is basically useless. That's exactly the sort of class to take and exactly the sort of class to take in the middle of a pandemic. Like, it would be so much more interesting than taking it in normal times. Yeah. Way better than uh, corporations. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, corporations are very important. Less on the bar exam, I imagine. A very important (laughs) class, but not one that's particularly interesting to do over Zoom. All right. Well, we should probably wrap this show up, right? Sure. Yeah. So thanks, everybody, for coming and listening. You should be listening to the show as always, and you should subscribe. That way you get the new episodes when they come out. You should give a review. Fine. I'll subscribe. You don't even subscribe? What (laughs) is wrong with you? I do. I do. I do. Uh, You should give reviews. Stars are the easy way of doing it, but if you want extra credit, go ahead and write something because that shows engagement, which helps the algorithm understand that we're out there and recommends us to other people. You should be reading Above the Law so you can read these and more stories as they come out throughout the week. If you're more of a podcast person, well, good news. We have more of those. Catherine's the host of The Jabot, where she talks about diversity issues in the law and law school. I am a panelist on the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable. Legal Tech Week, is that right? Well, I, it's just surprising because you actually got the name of your secondary podcast correct. Was the first, it? See, I'm now, so. I'm now doubting myself whether I got it correct. I think that that's really what's throwing you off in your rhythm here at the end is that you actually that I got it right. correct. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's weird when you're right. Fair enough. Uh, Check out the other shows by the Legal Talk Network. You should follow us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one. He's at Rights for Rent. Also check out at ATL Blog, which is, of course, the official account of the whole shebang. Thanks to Noda, powered by M&T Bank and Lexicon for sponsoring. And with all of that said, we will talk to you next week. Peace. See you next week.